What we do should be a norm for any other Christian. It should not be something that is spectacular, that they're doing a lot. All Christians are called to play their part and to help change lives in this world. Let me add that there's a quote from Irma Bombeck. Somebody gave me a plaque, and it says, When I stand before God at the end of my life, I want to be able to say to Him that I used up everything that you gave me, and I want to add for your service. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for stopping by today. Recently, I met Lamar and Donna Walker, ministers from Christ Community Church. We had a a program, Pastors Forum, which I host every Sunday. Of course, Mid-South Viewpoint is heard Wednesdays and Thursdays at 3 p.m. I host that on Sundays, this Pastors Forum show that I do have the privilege of having a different pastor on each week. And it's rare, but on occasion, they bring their wife, and their wife wants to talk on the microphone to it. I love that. So it's a great opportunity for you to see the really the complete package of God calls not just the man, but his wife, too. What a value and important part of the ministry of a pastor, a pastor's wife. And the things that they have to go through to support their husbands, and they do it out of the love for their family, the love for their husband, and most of all, the love for Jesus Christ, because it's a calling on their life, too. I have the Walkers. They're back in the studio today for us to kind of learn more about them and have more time. Pastors Forum is only a 15-minute format, and if you want to time it exactly, it's 13 and a half minutes. So this program allows us to relax a little bit and share more details. Thank you so much, Lamar. Thank you so much, Donna, for coming back. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Of course, you are the pastor of Christ Community Church. How long has this church been around? Christ Community Church has been around since 1999. We started January 1999 in the Lamar Housing Projects. You know, we have listeners maybe drive by housing projects, but don't really know what life is like inside a housing project. We might have those listening who live in the suburbs. Maybe their church has a ministry where they go into the housing projects at some time, but maybe they never have. Maybe they don't really know the reality of the housing projects. Well, when we talk about people's lives, we have to go back to how God has really prepared me for the ministry that he has assigned me. In Rick Warren's book, Purple Driven Life, he said something that was so profound to me in his book. And he said that God does not waste a hurt. That means that any and everything that we go through in life, God can use it. And so my testimony is that I was raised in the Claiborne Homes housing project. I was raised in a single-parent home. My mama worked at night. She was a chef at Justine's for over 40 years, Justine's Restaurant. Many of your listeners may remember Justine's, and she put a lot of things on the menu. But my oldest sister was pretty much our caregiver in the house. And so no father in the home, raised up in the projects. It was, it's a lot, it was a lot different then than it is now uh, because we didn't have anything. We were poor and didn't know it, and it was a community uh, it was not a lot of shooting and things like that. And so I grew up not having a father figure in my life. So I didn't have a man in my life. And I grew up a very bitter young man. I started drinking when I was in elementary school, high school, and, and went into the Navy. Graduated from Booker T. Washington High School when I was 17. Went into the Navy when I was uh, 18 and spent three years, nine months, five days, two hours, and ten minutes in the Navy. And I took my my hurt and pain in the Navy with me, and I was very radical. I was uh, born during Jim Crow era, 
And so I uh, was faced with a lot of uh, racism and, and things of that sort. And I, I, I was very bitter, had a bad attitude. And uh, went in the Navy with that same attitude. And I was very radical. When you say radical, can you describe what that means? Well, back in the 60s, and we know a lot of things that was going on. We had uh, Vietnam protests. We had college campuses protests going on. And and I was just bitter. And the Navy at that time and the ship that I was on allowed racism to foster in the Navy. And when you put up a resistance uh, with the unfair treatment, people put a much said that you was a troublemaker. And so we were called, as they said now, the N-word. When I was in the Navy, they called it the magic word. And it was that type of things that was going on. A lot of African-Americans was in debt for us. They were not in good rates. Uh, they didn't have good jobs where they could use them outside. And so we're faced with a lot of things. And we got to a point, uh, we had some guys that even put in to go to Vietnam to get off the ship. It was so much, and we were was even contemplating holding a mutiny on the ship. It was so bad, but God protected me from that. And so after I got out of the Navy, I was very uh, promiscuous, and I was running the streets and uh, selling um, drugs and things of that sort, and, and I had a good job. My mother always taught us good work ethics, and so I always had a job, and I was working at International Harvester, and I started looking at my life. And a pastor asked me once, did I go to church? And he said that Jesus was coming back out of the church, but I didn't know what the church was really all about at the time. But I, when I started looking at my life, I started seeing that my life was void, and I had an emptiness in me. And I, I know that sex was not doing it, and marijuana was not doing it, and drugs, and nothing was filling that void in my heart. And I was having all these bad thoughts in my head, and I didn't realize where these bad thoughts was coming from. So I found out that the devil was putting these bad thoughts in my head. Just as God has a purpose and a plan for our lives, the devil has one for us also. And so when I realized that the devil was trying to influence me to do some real ungodly things, and i never forget, I got on my knees, as I had done so many times when I had come home drunk, I got on my knees this night and asked Jesus to come into my life. I didn't know anything about the scripture, but I knew who Jesus was. And I asked him to come into my life. I said, if you will save me, I will live for you this day forward. And when I got off my knees, and I know salvation is not based upon a feeling, but faith in Jesus Christ. But it felt like the weight of the world was lifted off of me. And I, I felt so free. And I had a peace as the Bible said now, that surpasses all understanding. I went in the kitchen and got my good gin and wine and marijuana and all my pills and, and put it down the garbage disposal. And I started living for the Lord from that day forward. And God just really uh, blessed my life. And a lot of guys that I was uh, running around with, they, some of them gave me three months and six months, and we give him a year, he'll be right back with us. And it's been over 44 years <laughs> since I accepted Christ. And that's pretty much what God did for me. When I made a commitment, I made a commitment. And one of the things that happened, and I used to drive by McLemore in Mississippi on my way over to my mother's house. And I used to see one of my schoolmates standing on the corner preaching. God had not called me to preach, but I wanted to stand up there with him because I said to myself, if I was a fool for the devil, I want to be a fool for Jesus. Mm. 
And so I used to see him standing up there, but I would always be in a hurry. So one night I was over my mother's house, and uh, the Holy Spirit put on my heart to go to this drugstore called Skaggs. It was like a Walgreens. I remember Skaggs, yeah. Yes. And so I got up, and uh, I went there, and uh, this, this preacher that was preaching on the street named the late Paul Coleman, he said, well, Brother Lamar, he said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing well, man. He said, uh, you need to get saved. And that's the kind of person he was, very evangelistic. He said, you need to get saved. I said, well, man, I am saved. He said, if you save, and that was on a Saturday evening, he said, if you save, meet me down tomorrow at the jail. And that was before they built 201. They was building it then. He said, meet me down to the jail at 2 o'clock, and I want you to give your testimony. And I'm sure you'll see some guys up there you would know. And so I was there, but he didn't show up. But another preacher named Ella Patton showed up, and that's when I started doing street evangelism. And he also started going to an old fold pillar prison. That's how I got involved in prison ministry, going up there with the late Paul Coleman. And we started doing prison ministry and street evangelism. We go to different communities and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can we take a breath now? Oh, my goodness. This is beautiful. This is the story of transformation, the power of only Jesus Christ. This isn't being educated. This isn't turning over a new leaf. This isn't uh, having a new perspective in life. This is the dead becoming alive because of the power of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. He has risen, and his resurrected life, dear Lamar, is living and empowering you. Donna, this is the man you met. Now, you didn't know you didn't know the man that Lamar was describing here. You didn't know that, Lamar. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. But when we did get married— um, he still was a very verbal and vocal person without the filter he has now. Because <laughs> I remember there were some times we would be places, and he's very bold, very bold. And I would feel like going under the table because I was like, no, he didn't say that. <laughs> but God has mellowed that, and he mellowed that and given him a lot more patience than he had when we initially got together. Well, there again, there's also not only salvation, but there's also the sanctifying process <laughs> <laughs> that we're all, you know, be patient. God's not finished with me yet. You remember that you mentioned when we talked recently about Bill Gothard, and that was one of the little slogans he used in his seminars, be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Yes. Sometimes we look at somebody and see like a snapshot, but if, you know we look at the course of their life and we see how they're consistently following Christ, surrendering to Him. And there's hiccups along the way. There's things that happen that we have to bring before the Lord. What a great story. Yes, and one of the things I want to add is that we know that, as I said, I was very radical. I didn't like America. I didn't like what America stood for because the people that I had witnessed that represented America was racist and didn't like black people. And when I gave my life to the Lord, God said, since you want to be a liberator of your people, you want to be a sacrificial lamb, now I'm going to give you what it's going to take to really offer salvation to people that you love. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's my focus. Even though we got a lot of um, civil disorder and racism is still going on, which is prevalent now in our community. But what changes hearts is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. And so that's my focus. And when I gave my life to the Lord, my attitude changed. My focus changed. I just want to share 
what God has done in my life, and he should do it in everyone's life who named the name of Christ. Lamar, that is so true, and that's a great word there. You know, just that background and the experience, because you said what Rick Warren had reminded you of, God doesn't waste a hurt. Right. You've been hurt. And I don't know all of Miss Donna's story, how you came to Christ and the hurts that belong to your background. I'm sure as a human, we all have those hurts. Mm-hmm. God can take those and make something beautiful. The, the song that the Bill Gaither, he made something beautiful out of me. And it's for his glory and for his purpose. Amen. And that's what he's done in your relationship and marriage. 33 years now that you've been married the Ministry of Christ Community Church. There's a nonprofit. It's really exciting. Looking forward to sharing this part of the story. What started out to be something called the Study Buddy Program, as you witnessed those in the neighborhood that were below grade level, but they didn't have food, and there was a need to minister to them. And so that was the birth of Study Buddy Program, which now is evolving into the urban community ministries, which is evolving into another full-featured ministry aspect to the community where you serve. And, Donna, let's share some of that. I I think this is exciting. Something called Safe Haven Ministries. Is that where we're going? Safe Haven Outreach and Counseling Center. Okay, thank you. That's where we're going. And we're changing urban community ministries, which has given commodities, clothing, educational aspects, financial literacy, and pre- and post-marital counseling, lay counseling, and pastoral counseling. Those were components of that entity, of that ministry, but now we're doing a little bit more with Safe Haven Outreach and Counseling Center by incorporating more counseling features. Uh, We're currently working with the Shelby County Office of Reentry. My husband is providing mentorship. I'm providing counseling. I just want to interrupt and say that Donna has a license now. You're a certified licensed counselor. A a licensed professional counselor. That's correct. Yes. So that's another reason why we see this grow. That is correct. But this has been a calling for me from junior high school when people first started coming to me and telling me what was going on with them and wanting advice to getting my undergraduate and then putting that on hold so we could raise our girls. We still were doing the counseling aspect, but I lacked some of the training. And I went back, got the training, and now we're launching out with Safe Haven Outreach and Counseling Center. This is incredible. To see really the journey that God has taken you both on to put this ministry together. Reentry, that is just one area. Mm-hmm. The counseling, the, the safe haven outreach. Uh, uh, and, and that's what people really need is a safe haven. And Christ provides that. And we need as the church, as we plug into the communities, we meet the needs of the community. As Lamar said, the gospel is the focus here. We know the gospel is the transforming power that fuels what you do. Exactly. I'm glad you honed in on the safe haven because we were praying about because we knew we wanted to relaunch but we were praying about the name and we could not come up with anything and then god brought to my remembrance something that i had always said about urban community ministries and with our kids our building was a safe haven for them when they came there they knew they were going to be loved on They knew they were going to be affirmed. They knew that they were going to be fed if they needed clothes. They were going to get what they needed because we and our staff were surrogate parents to the kids that came into our lives. And so we wanted to broaden that to not just the kids, but to their families as well, to make multi-generational impact 
for the Lord. Some of these children you're finding, maybe they have parents that have been incarcerated, and some, it's like a revolving door. Finding the support, finding the program like Safe Haven to help them. We help, but like I said, we're working with the Shelby County Office of Reentry, who that program there is doing a phenomenal job of uh, providing those who are looking for services after being incarcerated uh, with help with getting reacclimated. They are doing a wonderful job there. We're just coming alongside and providing the mental health and the mentorship piece that, you know, may be needed. What is the typical mental health condition of an inmate that's getting back into society? I am finding that it's not so much different than a lot of us. There's brokenness. There is, I don't know who I am. I'm looking for someone or something to tell me who I am, how I'm supposed to behave. And in actuality, God has already put it in you, who you are, because you are an individual created in his image. Now, the thing is, we have to get people to the place where they're stopping and not no longer looking externally for who they are, but okay, I'm created a certain way. What is it that's different about me? How can I embrace my difference? And what is it that I'm put here to do? I think that's a great point, Donna. It's really discovering our identity is not in our position or how much money we have, which the world tells us that's how we get our identity, but it really is in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Exactly. Yes, it is. Many of the problems is so internal that people learn to live with those problems and it become a way of life for them. Speaking of mentoring, we have hired people that have gotten out of prison in order for us to mentor them. I got one guy that lived in this, matter of fact, he lived in the same community in the same Clayton Home Housing Project that I grew up in. He did 18 years and seven months in the federal prison. And when he got out, I hired him to work in our church. And now he's employed and he's working in another ministry. Another guy I met at West Tennessee State Prison, we call it West High. Young man did 25 years in prison for murder. And I mentored him and now he's working, driving a truck and making a a good salary for himself. That's what we do. One guy did 20 years. And so when we can help people, that's what we're all about. We are holistic in our approach. But I also want to say that many of our people that we minister to have been raised up in single-parent homes. That helped me to understand what it's like to be raised in a single-parent home. I can address that. And I tell people I didn't become a man until I was 27 years old. I joined the Lamar Housing Projects, a ministry that was there through Cherokee Baptist. And I was mentored or disciple under the late Ben Young. Uh, he was a, a real solid, stern man. And uh, Brother Willie Lewis, Ben Young had taught Willie Lewis how to be a man. He was raised in a single parent home. So when I worked at International Harvester, when I got saved, when I gave my life to the Lord, Willie Lewis taught me godly principles because he had gone to the Bill Gotha Seminar. And so I was able to really uh, become who I am today because of those two men in my life. And so that's what I try to do with other men. What are you finding, Lamar, for those that you minister to, the heart is hungry for most? Well, many of the people were trying to find themselves, as Donna said. They need to be validated, accepted, and connected. And that's what God has called the church to do. 
because they need to have an identity with Jesus. He's the one that had created us. He's the one that has given us an identity, not the world, not the system, as you just mentioned. And so I try to help them to understand this is what you really need with, within yourself because you become a, a full person. And that's why Donna is, is uh, effective in doing what she's doing by ministering to people to let them know that God has valued you. Right. Regardless of what somebody else may say, how someone else might look at you, I tell people that your zip code do not define who you are. Sometimes people have a problem because they've been uh, talked down so much. What we want to do is lift them up. Right. And that's what God called us to do is to edify to lift up our brothers and sisters. Lift up our brothers and sisters. What does safe haven look like on a day-to-day? When you go into the morning, is there a normal to a day? During the summer, I could say you come in and the kids have breakfast. Um, Then they go outside and play. Then they come back in for devotion. Then they do um, computer work, which is educational things. But there's something planned out for every hour of the day while we have the kids. And then they have lunch again, and and then we take them on field trips to expose them to different things in the community. Uh, I remember one year we got to take the kids to the air traffic control tower, and so they need to see that there are other things that they can do in the community with their brain to earn a good living and be successful. Another thing that we do, we take them to kids across America. Some people might know our suburban children go to Canacut, but our inner city children go to kids across America who have the same activities as Canacut, yes. but this is an urban camp, and we want to expose them. This camp is just outside of Branson, about right. a half hour. Randy Oldham, who for many years was the uh, director of Memphis Athletic Ministries, right. is now, he moved his family right. up to Branson. And matter of fact, recently uh, when I was out ill, he guest hosted this show for me from Branson. But Randy's a dear brother, and that camp is doing a great job. Soup Campbell, right? you know Soup. He used to be a church member. Matter of fact, I saw him yesterday. I've been on a mission trip with, with Soup. We call him Roy because we go back to the 80s <laughs> with his lovely wife, Linda. And so uh, that's what we do. We're holistic, and we take mission trips also. So what are some of the trips you've been on? Well, I've been to Bolivia. That was the first mission trip I took in 78. I've been to Bolivia, to Brazil four times. I've been to Dominican Republic, been to China. I went to China three times when I was in the Navy, two times on a mission trip. Last mission trip I went on was with Roy. I've been to India. Belize. uh, Belize. I've been to Japan. We've also been to Italy, and so that, that's what we do. We we go on mission trips and been to Africa three times. So you stay busy. You know, if, you, if you're if busy for the Lord, you got less room to be busy for the devil. So we, we try to stay busy. But one of the things that I want to say, and I want to hear well done when I get to heaven, mm-hmm. and I thank God for saving me. I thank God for what he has done in my life, and he rescued me. And I can't understand that. What we do should be a norm for any other Christian. It should not be something that is spectacular, that they're doing a lot. All Christians are called to play their part and to help change lives in this world. Let me add this. There's a quote from Irma Bombeck. Somebody gave me a plaque, and it says, When I stand before God at the end of my life, I want to be able to say to him that I used up everything that you gave me, and I want to add for your service. That is so beautiful, Donna. I was just reading in Luke 10 where Jesus sent out the 72. Chapter 9, he sends out the 12 to do ministry. But in Luke 
10, he sends out 72 other disciples, and they are to go and proclaim the kingdom, tell people the kingdom is near to the different villages that he sends them out to. You know, they come back, and they say they're all excited. They had the power given to them that they could heal and see miracles happen. They proclaimed. They saw great victory. The Lord Jesus said, yeah, I saw Satan fall, just like lightning does. And he said, but I think you should rejoice, not that you had this experience, but that your names are written in the book of life. Amen. And that's what we have to be thankful for, right, Pastor? Amen. I think one of the problems is that I don't see a lot of people grateful for their salvation. And I think the churches, uh, black and white, I think we need to come together for the cause of Christ and put a put aside our idiosyncrasies, our racism, our prejudiceness, and come together for the cause of Christ and transform this city. Uh, this city should not be known for uh, the king of rock and roll or Ever Presley or well, the king, uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. This city should be known for the king of kings and the lords of lords, Jesus Christ. And we come together, we can make a difference in the lives of people. Pastor, that is so well spoken, so well said. Well, this has been a great opportunity to get to know the Walkers. God bless you. Thank you so much for your investment into each other's lives and your relationship with Christ, to the community through Christ Community Church where you pastor, and also to Safe Haven Outreach Ministries. I'm leaving something out, aren't I? Counseling. Yeah, and counseling. Safe Haven Outreach and Counseling Center. Yeah, Safe Haven Outreach and Counseling Center. Or you can just say the Shock Center. Okay, the Shock Center. I love that. Come to the Shock Center. So how can we learn more about the Shock Center? You can learn more about the Shock Center right now by calling 901-577-0929. That is the line for Urban Community Ministries. We're still in the rebranding process, but if you call that number, you'll get me, and I can give you all the information that you want to know. (laughs) I love it. One of the things that we want to do is get to the root of the problem in people's lives. Yes, that's what we need to do. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Walkers, for stopping by. I appreciate you so much. God bless you. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Always a pleasure to have you stop by. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching, too, for our friends watching on YouTube right now. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Byron Tyler. Back for a quick second as the theme music fades out. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. Here's a short assignment for you. Please tell a friend about something that you learned from our guest and tell them to listen to Mid-South Viewpoint Wednesday and Thursday at 3 p.m. here on Bot Radio Network. The show is also available at botradionetwork.com and on podcast platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Hey, Alexa, play Mid-South Viewpoint. Some of the interviews are recorded with video and available on YouTube at Byron Tyler Radio. Stay tuned for more life-changing programs from Bot Radio Network.